0: All right, you guys, we are here on Selling Utah Podcast. I'm your host, McCall Hicken. I'm super excited. I actually have my dad here with me today. (laughs) His name is Wayne Ogden. He's a certified dog trainer for Big Dog Academy, and he actually has two dogs here with him today. He has Cooper and Sophie. Um, What kind of dog is Cooper? A golden doodle?
1: Cooper is a golden doodle.
0: And he's super cute. And Sophie is some type of poodle,
1: she is actually just a toy poodle.
0: Oh, yeah, she's she's a cutie. They're both real fun. So why don't you give us a little bit of background around Big Dog Academy and what you do and okay. introduce um, yourself a little bit.
1: First of all, my name's Wayne Ogden, and to be, I, I guess, right straight up front, I I got my job... Uh, With Big Dog Academy, uh, a gentleman by the name of Taryn Hampton from Grass Valley Merck, which is really the only store in the town I live right now, was kind enough to go ahead and formulate because he has had many people ask for dog training, dog help, and other things down in our area. So he formulated a company which is now Big Dog Academy. And I was fortunate enough to go through an experience that wasn't a great experience but being in federal prison and during that time I worked as a dog trainer I got my uh, certification as a licensed animal trainer and from the United States Department of Labor and where I got that from and how is is the Florence Correctional Camp the facility had a dog program where we actually trained service dogs so for a period of approximately 5 years I trained 12 to 13 service dogs. I, I say 12 to 13 because one I shared with a guy. We we both tried it. We, it couldn't really overcome its fear of people very well, and so we tried two different trainers. So that's why I always say 12 or 13. But I also helped and assisted with another more than 100 service dogs. It was an awesome experience. I got the uh, chance to... Work with and do things for diabetic alert, medical alerts like seizures, all all types of, of service dog work. We did an awful lot of PTSD soldiers that had fought, and you know, alongside American soldiers. But they were we did a lot for the Canadian uh, soldiers. Um, I, I had some real mind changing, life changing, I guess experiences with some of these dogs and the people they went to and all in all it was it was just a great learning experience for me and the the beauty of what came out of it too is i i got my certification and i absolutely love training dogs
0: yeah i know um I know you mentioned you were in the federal prison and because of COVID and everything going on, um, it was kind of a, a blessing for you. I know there's a lot of controversy around that and people getting released early with the COVID, but, um, it's been a blessing in your life. And I know when you were in there, um, it was really cool to be able to see you have this opportunity because I know you've worked in different fields and, um, you know, you, but you've always had a love for dogs. You've always loved training dogs and working with dogs and so it's almost it just like you said a, a blessing in disguise that that opportunity kind of fell into your lap and now you get to be out and helping other people make their dogs into family members that they're meant to be. So yep. yeah, agree. I'm super excited. And then let's see, I was going to ask you too. So I know in in the federal prison you you mentioned that you were training them to go on and be service dogs. So did you actually specifically train for those, like the seizures and the diabetes and or diabetic alert dogs, or was it more like the basic command training and then they went on to have like more specialty training?
1: Right, and that's a good point. No, normally what we did is we got the dogs to a certain point and then the dogs would actually be finalized in their scent training and or their seizure training and or whatever other form of training they needed. But we would work, for instance, the diabetic alert thing is is kind of a a unique situation because I I have diabetes. Mm -hmm. So my diabetes, it it was interesting that the dogs that became diabetic alert dogs that I trained, they, they had the innate and natural desire to notify me anyway when my sugars were high or low and and i was able to recognize that in a lot of instances so on the diabetic side we did a lot the seizure alert is a little different i i have not specifically worked with getting the dog to sense the seizure now that is something that we are doing now that i'm learning how to do and plan to do a lot more of and it's been exciting but the lady that owned the program or, or basically owned the dogs that we were in, she would finalize those, those medical situations. So there's, there's emotional support animals, there's PTSD therapy, all of those wear what's called a blue service vest. So if you're out in the public and you see a blue service vest, those are for non-medical services. But they're still considered under the American with Disabilities Act, ADA, they're still considered service dogs and service animals. So th- there is some differentiation in that, meaning that an emotional support animal or a therapy animal can't always go anywhere like a medical alert dog can. But the differences are so minute that it's it's very rare occasions that a service animal can't go anywhere it wants to go. Um, but, yeah, to answer your question, I did see a lot of the – the diabetic stuff come just from me having diabetes, and the dog being able to sense when I was high or low, and so that was an amazing thing to watch, and it was an amazing thing to learn that they were recognizing it. it. Most of it's natural anyway, but we do do scent training to finalize those those things.
0: Well, that's way cool, and I know you had one dog in particular that you worked with that the the owners after it went on to kind of do its its duty with the health service stuff you got a letter from the new owners about what an awesome dog and and thanking you for everything right do you want to kind of touch on that i actually
1: i actually ended up receiving a lot of letters and a couple of them were were real tear jerkers i guess you could say where you know people would express to you that these dogs have literally saved their lives they have done things for them that nobody else could do uh there's a specific lady well there's there's several i'll I'll give you two examples that were really really cool to me were there was one example was a lady that she's a canadian she's actually a first responder in canada she has severe ptsd she's seen so many horrible things in her life she just can't function anymore and her herself she's contemplated suicide she's Everything you can imagine goes through her mind all the time. She got one of my dogs named Locke. You know, I've shared this on Facebook before, but it's, Locke was an amazing dog. He was, I, I was done training him in really four and a half, five months. He he just learned quick, and he was perfect. Um, he was He was eager to please, and he has done so much for her. So she's written some letters back and explained how, how this dog is just literally saved her life. She wrote a a letter pretending to be from Locke to me that if I had to pull it up right now on my phone and read it, I couldn't get through without breaking down. So we won't do that. (laughs) So but the other thing that was amazing was one of the dogs that we trained was a dog named Salvi. Now I helped with Salvi a lot. I she wasn't quote my dog, but she was a diabetic alert dog. She was an awesome little lab. Um, she could sense or can sense now when her human, which is a, a juvenile boy, he's a he's a swimmer that's going on to be a professional swimmer. He's just he's that good. When he's swimming in the water four or five lanes over in the water, Salvi can sense his sugars going up or down. So we got letter back and I, I participated in helping Salvi so I got the letter as well. But Got a letter back basically stating how, you know, how wonderful that was. She will either go up to the coach on the sidelines, try to get him to let him know that kid's got to come out of the pool right now, and or she'll run right up into the bleachers and find the mom or dad and let them know, you know, by pawing them or, or grabbing them or whatever. So it's, you know, it's amazing to see what these dogs really do. I mean, and people think... Oh uh, how do they really tell but but it's it, it's awesome. So
0: Yeah, no, I totally believe in that. And I I mean, we've seen them in all sorts of instances helping people and working with police and I know they're even talking about maybe dogs being able to sense someone that has covid now and you know, just uh, their dogs can do amazing things. So, it's awesome that you get the opportunity to work with them and and do that. Um so I know you, you do some basic training, service dog training, and then you're not quite doing specialty training yet, but it's something that you're thinking about doing. I know with my, cause my labs are with you right now, my two yellow labs, and you've talked about training them to do some shed hunting, which I'm super excited about because my in-laws and husband does a little bit of that and I've always wanted to, and I think my boys would love it. So I'm really excited to have my dogs trained to do that, but, um. So with the basic training, is that more just like the basic command, like puppy stage, or do you take older dogs and do basic training? And what's kind of the difference between a, a basic training and like service dog training or specialty training?
1: The basic, the basic training program that, that we offer with the Big Dog Academy is, is basically we we take your sit, your down, your stay, your off, your heel, your come, your wait your, you know, all of the basics you can imagine, we take those commands and and make sure that the dog is able to do those. Now, now, that's done from either the stage of a puppy at eight weeks old, we can start basic training. A puppy will normally take us a month, month and a half to get most of the basics down pat. And that means to where they recognize them and they'll do them most of the time. At that age, they're still a puppy, so they need constant reinforcement doing their commands even after we get done with them. Now, the older dogs we do basic training for, we expect to learn to do their basics and and keep at their basics. And so, yes, we can. We can do anything from an eight-week-old puppy all the way up to right now I'm working with a five-year-old pit bull. And he's obstinate about almost all of his commands, but he's learning, and I'm learning really through him to learn with a little bit of an aggressive dog and somebody that I honestly have a little fear of. But, you know, he's a 90-pound pit bull, but he's he's also respecting my authority, and, and I've learned a lot by working with him just, a, you know, the few weeks I've had him, so.
0: Okay. Well, that's awesome. And so, in as far as specialty training goes, that's more... You talked about doing the shed hunting, but not really anything outside of that scope yet. Well, I think, yet.
1: I think what, if people understand, you know, the shed hunting is something I, I've jumped into and I'm and am, am burying myself into teaching, as you just said, your, your two dogs how to do. And my reasoning for that is twofold. One is so I know how to do it and B, so the dogs know how to do it. And then I can, I can offer it to people and, and get them to where they, you know, they can bring their dog to me and I can teach them how to shed hunt. So that's something I'm looking forward to having done here in this fall where Loki and Lulu are able to go, you know, find the, the dummy antlers. They're not, done, they're real antlers, but they're, you know, the, the ones we're using to, to train them. So I, that's especially, but what people need to understand is, for instance, SARS training, search and rescue. Search and rescue is just the same thing. It's But on a lot higher level and a lot higher skill level is that dog in a search-and-rescue situation to find a person or a human or whatever, those dogs are trained hours and hours and hours every day. And I don't do that for, I guess, a couple of the reasons yet because I'm trying to focus on working with a lot of dogs. If you're a search-and-rescue or a specialty trainer, a search-and-rescue dog or a canine police dog – that, is, that dog and that trainer are with each other. Or you look at the dogs that are, you know, Afghanistan, Iraq, whatever, that were and, and will continue to be the bomb sniffers. What They're with their handler or their trainer all day, all night, every day for years. Mm-hmm. And that's just staying kind of unspecialized gives me opportunity to work with tons of dogs rather than yeah. one or two a year. That so. makes
0: sense. Okay, and so I know that you're you're taking dogs out to where you live and doing some training with them out there, um, and then you're also doing house calls where you go to their house and and work with the owners and the dogs um, on training as well. Um, what I know you're kind of short on time today, so I'll try to wrap it up, but. Um, w- what are kind of like what do you what are your rates as far as like taking them and doing the basic training and, and doing the house calls? What what do you kind of charge for all of that?
1: Okay, so normally to take a dog down to our place and work with it, and when I say our place, I I live on an approximately two and a half acres. We we train there and we have several dogs there. We have 54 acres down in Richfield on a farm. We also have kennels, and we train dogs there. So I travel down to Richfield two or three days, at least a week, and sometimes as much as four, to do the training. And then they're also being trained by some other people, helping to continually, again, specify the specific basic training and the commands we want them to know and learn. So if a person is to bring the dog to us, we charge $750 for a month. Now, that basically, covers the training if they want us to cover the food too we'll add normally a bag of food in there which we figure at 40 to 60 dollars depending on if it's a big or small dog so um, a month of training and we're going to give back to you a video basically a couple times a week showing the progress of what's going on with your dog and we're going to give you a finished dog so the day i bring the dog back to you you're going to get a dog that does all the basic commands that we have taught it and we show you not only that the dog will do it but we show you how to do it because people need to understand that you could send your dog to any dog trainer and that trainer may be good or whatever but when that dog comes home it needs to have those commands reinforced. If the owner is not going to reinforce them then you're going to be back to square one. So the other thing we offer for it's essentially $50 an hour is I or one of our trainers can come to a house and basically, for you know, fifty dollars, we could spend an hour with you, go over all the basics, show you what you need to do, to continue to reinforce those. In some occasions, dogs have specialty problems that I've been able to go to their house, and, and again, this only gone on for a couple of weeks or a month that I've really done house calls. But I've been able to walk into some houses and have occasion where the dog was able to turn around immediately and, and do amazing. I've also had cases like the dog McCall's holding right now, <laughs> Sophie, that I went to a house call this morning. She's a little toy poodle, and she's a mess. Um, <laughs> the, the problem is, is so I told the lady right up front, listen, I came here today to do an hour house call with you. You're wasting your money if you want me to. I'll give you all the, all the material you need to train the dog yourself for free but to pay me for an hour's time on this dog's not going to work so she made the split decision right there to go ahead and send the dog home with me because sophie's going to take work she's going to take patience and she's going to take a lot of understanding she's a toy poodle she's got no desire to listen or do anything yet but we will get her to where when she goes home she will know all her basics and she'll do them for me the key is is to get her to do them for the uh, for the owner and have the owner make sure she's able to enforce that behavior with Sophie afterwards. So,
0: yeah, I, I would never guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's cute though. Um, and then just a couple more questions. So I saw on there that you're starting to finance service dogs. We are.
1: I and when I say that, when I say we, I absolutely mean the guys. That, there's a group of guys that own. A whole mess of dog puppies that they have coming in. We we have, I think, 47 different puppies, all different breeds. We have, you know, Bernedoodles. we have other doodles, we have Goldens, Labs, Border Collies, we have several different puppies coming to us between now and December. And all of those puppies will become or can become service dogs. And so what the guys that own those puppies decided is that they would go ahead and finance. Because a typical service dog, if you are to Google it, is 15000 to 30000 or more dollars. These guys decided that they wanted to use my training at my price and do some stuff with what I'm doing so that we could train these service dogs and get them service dog ready, meaning they'll pass the public access test, they'll go through everything they need to and become a service dog. In that regard, they will now finance. So with a, a semi-small deposit, you know, usually they want to try to cover as much of the cost of the dog as they can, but and monthly payments, they will do service dogs. And we're talking these service dogs are ranging from $5,000 to eight dollars or $9,000. So it's way below what the quote, quote, going rate for a service dog is. Plus, because Big Dog Academy just started out, and these guys just kind of started doing what they're doing, we have service dogs available now. If you really want a service dog, you're looking at a three to five year waiting list with most, definitely with any nonprofit organization. So, it, it just it opened up a great opportunity to to get some people who can't other could not otherwise afford a service dog afford a service dog.
0: Right, and. Um, and, and on the subject of service dogs, um, I I know a lot of people. Emotional support animals is kind of a, a hot topic lately. A lot of people want emotional support. Um, so if you if you take a dog and do the training for an emotional support dog, do you certify them to like where they can go into the stores with the blue vest or um, you know? What are the steps to kind of take to actually have that? Or even, um, I know, like being in real estate and people that are renting, um, if they want to bring a dog that's an emotional support dog, but they don't allow animals and they want to prove that they're an emotional support dog, is that something that, like, a person has to go to, like, a doctor and say they need an, an emotional support animal? Or is that something you can do with the dog to get them certified and you can take that certification to a complex or, or a renter and say, look, they're a certified emotional support animal. Does, does that make sense? Do you kind of get no, what I'm absolutely. Asking?
1: <laughs> No, absolutely. No, the biggest thing to understand in the service dog side of things and the emotional support ESA side of things is basically the doctor's, some kind of doctor prescription letter, whatever, is going to be required no matter what. So okay. even if the dog itself is certified and has passed all its tests, that a person still needs to verify that they have a need to have that dog. So no matter what, a doctor's got to be involved. Okay. Now, as far as the animal certification, there, there's several parts to that, and it varies literally state to state, county to county. The rules and guidelines vary of how you go about getting those certifications. The The public access test is pretty much required, no matter what, in every state that I know of right now. It doesn't mean it... M- might not be somewhere and I don't know it but bottom line every state that I know of Utah Colorado you know some of the ones where we focused Canada whatever they have to certify their public access test in Canada every year so the public access test is our goal as a trainer to get them through that once they're through that the rest is easy so they will get the rest of their certifications I I know like boxeller County is the box Board of Health you know Salt Lake County is is the Salt Lake County Health Department. So basically, those are the people you're going through to get all the the paperwork and the finalization. And we'll, we'll help, first of all, we'll help with all the public access tests no matter what. The rest of it, you, you can usually do very easily on your own. If you're having a problem doing it on your own, we'd be glad to help. But I haven't been through that process myself to, to go through that yet because I, I've only been out and doing this now for you know a couple months so
0: right um and then another question really quick I know you you get bombarded on social media with questions and everything what would you say like your most common question is in regards to training dogs and what advice would you have for people that are you know just have a dog that's that they're frustrated with either like barking or jumping or what what's like one thing someone could take away from today and apply into their life with their dog that would make it a more well-behaved animal?
1: First and foremost, people need to understand that you, a dog, needs to be treated as a dog. It needs to be, it needs to have discipline, and it needs to have love. It needs to not just have love, or not just have discipline. Neither one of those two things are going to work. So, if a dog, you just mentioned jumping on you. I just got done with a dog that jumped on me probably for a whole week and a half oh I don't know a hundred times a minute it seemed like but no literally a hundred times or more a day he would jump on me no matter how much I told him off no matter how much I corrected that behavior with my leash and my everything I did it takes patience and it takes consistency and it takes awareness so those three things if anybody can understand if you don't want your dog chewing up your shoes don't let your dog have access to your shoes when you're not watching mm-hmm. the dog. It's, it's really that simple. If you don't want a dog jumping on you, then every time it jumps on you, you need to firmly say off. You need to do it, and you need to let it try to jump on you with a leash in hand, with control, and with a way that you say off. It needs to know its limitations. It needs to know that you are in control. I mean, people always use the term that you're the alpha if you're the alpha and that dog knows you're the alpha, that alpha will respe- or that dog will respect you as the alpha, and eventually that dog's going to do everything you want it to do almost all the time. Now, I say that because even as good a trained as some of the dogs we do get, they're still dogs that are going to still have their moments. So it takes an immense amount of patience and understanding. But the biggest thing is people need to treat their dog like a dog rather than just accept the fact that oh we love our little puppy we love our little puppy it's all about love and cuddles and fun and playtime. but the thing is you've got to establish rules and regulations with your dog
0: no that makes sense and I know I was guilty about that with my dogs I mean that's why they're with you is because <laughs> I was all about the love and the cuddles and oh come and sleep with me in my bed and you can get on the couch and you can just have free range to whatever you want and then I had babies and I didn't want my dogs jumping on the bed and jumping on the baby or knocking the baby over or coming and trying to lay on the baby when they're on the couch, and so that was a a hard transition for me because I was all about the love and cuddles with my dogs. I mean, they were my, quote, fur babies, and then you have real babies, and then you need them to obey, and it was a hard transition, and so I totally see what you're saying with that, with they need to, you know, they need the love, but they also need to... Have their boundaries too. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I know you got to get going. So, thanks for coming. And where can people find you if they have questions or they inquiries? You can go
1: to Big Dog Academy or under just Wayne Ogden on Facebook, either way. But bigdogacademy.com is our website. Um, again, Taryn Hampton is the owner of that. It's a DBA of, of Grass Valley Mercantile, which, again, is really the only business near where i'm located so they can find us there or they can feel free to call or text me at 435 638 73 oh whoops that's the wrong number (laughs) sorry 435-893-5962 there you go thanks
0: awesome well thanks again for coming and i'm excited to get my dogs back and and see the change in them and everyone have a good rest of your week and we'll see you next week